When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another live Patriots Beat podcast. I'm Ryan Spagnoli. Alongside me, 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth, as well as CLNS Media's Mike Cadlick. Barth, Mike, good to be back with you guys. Um, should be a much different show than what we had, uh, what was it, Monday night, Alex. Yeah. Uh, here for kind of some observations from day 11. Take it away right from the top. Sounded like a much better day for the offense um, in yesterday's practice. Yeah, it certainly was, I think. And, and we sort of talked about this on Monday, right? I think a lot of the issues for them offensively are all tied to the offensive line, even if they're not directly happening up front. You saw the offensive line start to create some movement in the running game. You saw Mac Jones get time when he was able to throw the ball. It all just sort of opened up from there, right? So that is just very encouraging to me because it shows they can do it. Like the upside is finally we see progress. And people ask, you know, why are you guys so worried? Why is everybody freaking out? It's only August. They haven't played a preseason game yet. No team looks perfect this time of year, which, yes, no team looks perfect this time of year. We weren't freaking out because it wasn't perfect. We're alarmed because we didn't see any progress towards it getting better. So on one hand, we finally saw progress that's encouraging, but we finally saw progress on day 11, right? It's a little bit later than you'd like to see it. So that's kind of where we're at right now, but it's a positive step heading into this preseason opener. If they can carry that over into this game against the Giants and the joint practices next week, that's going to be a really good sign. Yeah, and seeing it against, like you said, seeing it against a live defense tomorrow is going to be the tell for it all. Max said it after practice, too, like getting 2% better every single day. Yesterday was really the only time we saw them get that 2% better. I mean, granted, they actually really started to get that zone blocking scheme going, if you will. They opened up holes for running backs, and they were actually making plus plays in 11s, which we hadn't seen for the past two weeks. So it's a good sign, but tomorrow is going to be a better tell for sure. I think the biggest thing to take away from that, from this whole offensive struggle, right, that the slow start to camp is that typically if you were to ask me this, that that this was going on, say, you know, you're going to tell me this was going to go on a month ago. You would think, especially, you know, knowing the media, you know, how kind of how everything works, a lot of the finger pointing would be at Mac Jones. But it seems like it's everybody but him, which I guess is a good sign because you log on to ESPN, you look at some of these, you know, national programs. It's all about Tua Tagovailoa. Who's going to be the quarterback in 2023? Like a lot of these struggles offensively have nothing to do with Mac Jones, which I think is a good sign. Um, Barth, we talked about a little bit off air, um, you know, early on in camp, especially in the spring, you started to see him really mature and kind of grow into his, you know, per se NFL body, the fundamentals, the footwork, it looked much stronger than it had last year. We saw the, the, the work that he put in in the off season was, was obvious on the field this spring and early in camp. Um, seemed like a little bit last week, right? 
might have got a little lazy, maybe a step back. Are you seeing improvements from Mac Jones, not only from a leadership perspective, but overall his 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 you know dictation of the offense, his ability to to, to command the line of scrimmage, and just overall be a much better quarterback and take that next step, even though with a lot of moving pieces going on. So I, I think it was trending that way, right? And I think he got a little as they all did, I think the internal clock started speeding up. The pressure started hitting when the offensive line wasn't working, but you saw when things calmed down on Tuesday, he came back. And I think you're exactly right. You know, I was bracing for the narrative that, Oh, Max, not the guy, the rookie year was a fluke this and that. And credit to, to the majority of the observers, they've correctly analyzed what's going on here. It's not a Mac Jones failure. It's the team failing or the team looking like they might fail Mac Jones. And we talked about that a lot on Monday. I wrote about that for 98.5thesportshub.com yesterday. People can go check that out, right? The assumption coming in was if Mac Jones doesn't take the year two leap, the offense is screwed. The only way the offense will be better is if Mac Jones is better. And what we're seeing now is kind of the opposite. Mac, it looks like the pieces are in place for that year two leap individually. But does Mac Jones being better guarantee the offense as a whole will be better? That's now the question we have to ask ourselves. And even jumping off that, like when, you know, when camp started two weeks ago and they were in, they were in shells and just kind of running sevens and not putting much together. Mac did, Mac did look awesome at first and then they brought everything together and it looked really crummy. So it was almost like, okay, what's going on with Mac Jones here. But then, as you said, we saw it on Monday, Alex, like it was really not him. It was maybe not even the play callers. People blame Patricia, people blame judge, but it really just seemed like it was the offensive line's fault and they couldn't get that thing done. However, even going in from, you know, Monday into yesterday, it seemed like they kind of learned everything overnight. It was really a granted. It was only a little bit of progress, but they still really flipped the switch into yesterday. Yeah, there were still some issues. It definitely looked better. Right. Um, like if they can. The thing is now, can they build on that? Right. If if sure. they don't go back behind that point. They're in good shape mm-hmm. to say they learned it overnight. Like I almost feel like you have to see it more than once. Right. It's it's easy to do anything once you can do something by accident once, you know, the whole water bottle flip thing, right. You can get that once. (laughs) Can you get it two times in a row, three times in a row, four times in a row. And obviously this is much tougher. Orchestrating an NFL offense is much tougher than flipping a water bottle. So they got it one day. That's great. It's encouraging. I'm not, I don't want to downplay that, but what's really exciting is when they do it two days in a row and then three, and then four. And that's kind of what, what you want to see them build towards. And it's kind of a weird spot here, right? Because it was the last practice they had individually. Right. It might be the last one that's fully open to the media. Now that, oh no, the, yeah. It might be the last one that's fully open to the media. No, because they're going to practice Monday. But I doubt that will be in full pads. They'll probably practice Monday. I doubt that'll be in full pads. But then they've got joint, joint practice. practice. So they got preseason, that one, one yeah. Monday practice, joint, joint, preseason, they might have one or two more. Then they go out to Vegas, joint, joint, preseason, then that's it. So they, the, they were really kind of up against it. You know, a phrase yeah. we, I, <laughs> I've been using a lot is it's early until it's not. And it was getting really close to being not early, and they made the step. Now it's can they continue it. And what what did you – was it primarily the offensive line that, that took a step forward, or was it just overall much better communication, um, you know, guys running the right, right routes, Mac making the right reads? Was it just a collective – much better day or is it really up front in the trenches that because i mean you saw with andrews uh you know obviously no one condones right they're not going to fight in the league you're going to get a suspension but that's some of the fire you want to see we see it every year guys get into fights they get thrown out of practice it's it's hot everybody gets 
fired up. And it's a team captain who obviously took a lot of what happened early on in camp. Very personal. I, I think it's a, it's a good thing to see from a player like that. Um, was but it yeah, kind I, of a collective no unit or up front? It, it's an upfront thing again. Cause I mean, you look at even the issues in the running game and I go back to, I know this sounds simple and it is a bit of an oversimplification, but the offense looks good in one-on-ones, you know, wide receivers versus corners look good. There looks good when it's seven on sevens, which is multiple receivers on the field at once with the quarterback looks good. It, it looks good there. And then you get to 11s and things halt. Well, what's different in 11s, what's there or not there in 11s mm-hmm. that, you know, is a different element from the sevens, the offensive line and a pass rush. The, the running game is a little more complicated because there is no other way to gauge the running game. You're running 11s. There is no sevens equivalent of running the football. But that's why I just, I, I, I think it's on the line. I really think it's, and, and again, it all compounds. I think there are other issues. Again, Monday, the timing between Mac and his receivers looked really off. Well, it's hard to get your timing down when you can't mm-hmm. actually rep any of these plays because you can't get time to set them up. So I think as the offensive line progresses and fixes itself, the rest of those problems will start to fix themselves as well. It will just all like it, it's, it's all going to come together. Once the, the, the offensive line's last piece in the puzzle, once they get that set, if and when they get that set, I expect the rest of the issues to kind of dissipate. And this is an interesting question I want to bring up that Ashley brought up. I kind of want to get more, um, you know, in tune with the chat. Do sorry. Do we move? On when to right tackle if Wynn can't go for the season opener. We talked about it on the last show, Alex, right? A lot of this is a lot of moving pieces. Shaq Mason's gone, right? You flip-flopped your tackles. Trent Brown to left tackle. Isaiah Wynn primarily at right tackle. Then you insert, you know, Cole Strange, who's, you know, from the day he was picked, was projected to be a day-one starter. Um, we've seen from Onwenu, obviously, he struggled to find time consistently on the field last year, but primarily as a guard. You know, I think anybody who was down there every day for the last two years would agree, especially on the field, on when you project much better as a tackle, right? And Isaiah Wynn in the last year of his contract, is that a, you know, is that a move we could potentially see? Because like I said, it seems like they're, they're timid on moving on when kicking him outside when it seems like that's more of his natural fit from the time we've seen him the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guard. I, I would agree with the comment. I think he's better at guard. Now, he hadn't played that position since high school until he started playing it in 2020. I, I I, like him as a tackle in the traditional system. The thing is, in this new system, he's not a great fit at guard because that's just not his game moving around, right? Well, he's not going to be any better at tackle. So I think if, if the issue is winning, like, look, Wynn didn't practice the last two days. You saw Yadin Kajus and Justin Haran out there. I don't think if, if Wynn moves on, I don't think Onwenu's the, the fix. I think he's staying at guard. I think the right. fix is they're gonna they're gonna go with some depth. I I mean I would hope so. I, I just think with how athletic Win can be from for kicking, I don't know. I we've talked about it for years ever since. And people they're not will kill play me win if, at guard. They're just not. If they were gonna do it, they would have done it. They would have done it years ago, right? But I just think I just thought with a newer offensive scheme and they're flip-flopping everything around, like why why did they flip the two in general? Right? Is it because Brown's been a little bit more reliable in his career? It just ever since the move, it was more it was it was very, I guess, head scratching because I'm a, you know, team Isaiah Wynn guy, right? Like we talked about it. He's a top 32 tackle. He's a starting caliber caliber tackle in the league. Is he, you know, a top 10 tackle? Is he somebody that's going to break the bank? No, but I'm sure he'd start on a majority of the NFL teams. His biggest problem has been staying healthy. So I just curious with the, with the switch, why they ever even did it in the first place. 
So I'll be honest. I don't know why they didn't switch last year. I wanted them to switch last year in the traditional system. I like it better. Trent Brown's a better, he's your best tackle. He should be your left tackle. That's just the way it works. So I, I, I think the reason they switch it for this scheme again is to, to take advantage of that athleticism uh, off the, off the strong side. But yeah, I, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a tough, I, I think they should have switched last year. Like to me, they're late to it. And Brown was hurt last year. So who knows? I mean, even in camp though, we really didn't see it. Um, right. Brown missed a lot of time early on in the year, but everybody knows when he's on the field, just like when they're, they're productive players. Those are guys that have played a lot of meaningful snaps for you and, and certainly reliable tackles on, on either side. Um, but want to, want to stick on the offense here. We talked about him a little bit on Monday, Alex and Mike uh, Tyquan Thornton continues to, to shine. I think the biggest thing with him is he's not just a speedy guy, right? He's showing time and time again, that this guy can run routes and can, and can put defenders on skates. And I think, He's making a case for himself to really compete for snaps this year because on draft night when it was kind of known, or I guess when Nelson Aguilar's fate here in New England, right, there was a big time here uh, in the offseason where people thought maybe he'd be moved because of the cap pit and they had to create cap space. He was never going to be moved, right? With guys like, you know, you assume Parker's your one, Bourne's your two, Myers your three, whatever order you, you kind of want to place them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of snaps to be you know, competed for in that four, five, six range. Um, and Tyquan Thornton's making a name for himself to really push, I think, N- Nelson Aguilar and find time on the field. Because um, when you, when you, when draft night, it was kind of, you know, maybe this kid's a project. He's very slim. You know, he's fast. He might need to develop and learn how to run routes. Uh, but he's shown that this guy can compete and, and, and certainly compete for snaps this year to help this football team. It's yeah, the first I, time. I, go. go ahead, Mike. No, it's go ahead. the first time that. I've I've seen a Patriots rookie wide receiver come in and actually show something ever. So like that in itself excites me. I feel like every time they bring in a new guy, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the next Nikhil Harry. He's going to be the next, you know, whatever you want to call it. And he's actually showing us for a long time. I know it. Yeah, it's 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 awful. But like not only is he showing that speed in one on ones and sevens, but even when they're in 11s, he's getting reps with the ones, which I noticed yesterday and He's not like he doesn't look intimidated by any means, which is a good thing in itself. And he also just goes and gets the ball. Not only is he quick, not only do they get it to him in space, but he's also he goes up and snatches the ball, which is something you want to see from these guys. Because like last year, for example, we did we never saw that out of Aguilar. He was quick, but I mean you saw it in the Bills game in the in the playoffs. He did not go up and high point a ball in the end zone and it got intercepted. So, you know, he's just bringing a lot to the table really early, which is ultimately exciting to see. Yeah, and again, to me, I've talked about this before. If you've heard me on here, if you've read me on 98.5 The Sports Hub, on the Sports Hub Patriots podcast, it's consistency. He's doing it on a regular basis. These aren't flashes. It's not, well, he has to do this more often. No, he's coming out every day and he's getting a little bit better. And that's exactly what you want to see. You talk about how he's not just a burner. Guys at that speed, especially that speed and size, sometimes their speed's their whole tool bag because they never have to develop beyond that. There's a lot more to his game. I mean, he can he can you know, play at all three levels. He can be an impact at all three levels. He's a, he's a really good hands catcher. That's what stands out to mm-hmm. me, especially guys that small. They're normally catching the ball in their body. He can go out and get the yep. ball away from his frame. And, you know, I look at that with a guy like him and then Devontae Parker. Those are two guys with really good catch radiuses. Mm-hmm. So you put those two guys on the field, like that's a tough coverage assignment. Yeah, I'm really excited by what we've seen from him. Obviously, there's still a ways to go. I'm not, you know, let's not fit him for a red jacket just yet he hasn't played an NFL team. I think this next week, the next seven days are monumental for him. He's going to have two preseason games 
right? His first live NFL action and the joint practices are going to be big. Stephon Gilmore, JC Horn. He's going to face corners. He hasn't faced corners of the caliber. He hasn't faced here in new England. That's going to tell us a lot. All right, real quick, we want to take a pause and tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first to market odds and lines. And of course, the Patriots Beat Podcast and the entire CLNS Media Network is powered by Bet Online. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. They have it all. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our code CLNS50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, the code is CLNS50. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alex, what number do you think he's going to wear? I saw your tweet earlier. So... I wouldn't, be, yeah. I wouldn't Mike, be surprised. Mike hit the nail on the head with, with his projections. Those would, what, was those, yours? Those... what was yours, Mike? Uh, I No, I, that wasn't me. That was somebody else, I think. Mike Dusson. With what? From oh, Mike I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. 88? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see 88. I think that would be sick. I So here's, be. like, because I do this every year. I do the research, try to figure it out. He wore 18 at Baylor. That's I was going to point this out. Johnny Smith. <laughs> He wore nine or no, he wore eight. He, sorry, 81. He 81, 81 and nine. Taylor. 81 and yeah, nine. starting off in nine. Those are taken. He wore four in high school. Now, Malcolm Butler has four. So here's what I'm wondering. Would he take like a placeholder number? Remember, Nikhil did this. Nikhil was eight in the yeah. preseason. We've seen other guys do this too. Uh, Christian Barmore last year, right? Christian Barmore was 70 in the preseason. And then he switched to 90 once things ironed out. So maybe he takes 19. If he takes 88, I think he kind of has to keep it. Just stay away from 17, please. Stay away from 17. Christian Wilkerson to 17. So we're good there. That's true. But I, so I don't know what his connection is to four, why he wore it in high school. But if he's connected to that, if Malcolm Butler doesn't make the team, or maybe Malcolm Butler switches his number after the 53 comes, maybe he makes a team and a double digit number opens up for him. Like, I wonder if Tyquan Thornton go back to four. It's not the prettiest wide receiver number, but if a number has a good story, I'm all about it. Like nine for an edge rusher is horrible, but Matthew Judon's the ninth of nine children. So that's instantly a cool number now, right? Mean something. Yeah. So if he, if, if he gets four, we can ask him why four and all of that. Um, but I think 19, if it's a placeholder 88, like, but if he takes 88, that tells me he wants 88. You don't take 88. It's like a, maybe I'll hang on to this. Maybe I won't. Yeah. You take 88, you're taking 88. And, and sticking on Thornton too. Obviously, his frame, right, is was kind of the big, I guess, red flag or topic of discussion. Where were areas where he could, flaw, uh, you know, see flaws in the league. Uh, but Alex, we talked about it too. He can play outside because his release game is so quick. His how much game do you is think? Excellent. How, how much does that impact him, though? Right, going up against a right, it's matchup based, but it, we'll see. I guess in the next week, right, these bigger, longer, more physical corners is that going to affect him at the line of scrimmage primarily? You know. Like, that's the one worry I have with him, right? I mean, we've seen it. He's fast. He can run routes. He can certainly get open. It seems like he's catching on. But if that is that still one area where it's a little, you know, iffy with, with Thornton? No, I, I like it. And it forces you to defend him differently, right? Because the, the book on most of these speed guys is take you take your biggest, strongest, nastiest corner. And jam him. Roll him in his face. And you, you punch him in the mouth at the line and make him beat it. And a lot of those guys don't. Thornton. Early on, looks like he has a bit of a release package, maybe more developed than a guy like a John Ross or a Darius Hayward Bay, right? And 
to say he's not John Ross doesn't mean he's great, but it's a step. And you look at the way the Patriots have drafted in the past, not John Ross. I think we would all enjoy that pick. So I, yeah, I, I, I'm encouraged again. This goes back to I'm encouraged by his release package, but he's been repping against the same seven or eight guys for three weeks now. He might kind of have the rhythm figured out. This is why Thursday night and then next week are going to be so big. What does that release package look like when he goes against other teams? And that's how these skinny, these skinny framed guys stay in the league is having a release package like that, because you're not going to get it. You're not going to get away with just your speed alone. You have to be able to get off the line. So him showing that this early is like, you know, it's, it's different. It's something he's a different player. Right. And kind of shifting our focus to tomorrow night, obviously preseason game number one. Um, who knows how much I know the, the giants came out early on last week. They had said, you know, a lot of their starters are going to play at least initially, I guess it's yet to be seen. It seems like we'll see a lot of Bailey Zappi and Brian Hoyer tomorrow night. Um, I would hope, I wish maybe we'd see a little bit more of the starters. Like, like I said, this is all um, assumption, right? With how much struggles they've had early to camp. I think what better way to kind of put this past week behind you than go out and have a good game, even if it's for a quarter or a couple series, um, really get your, your, you know, the right foot forward heading into the next week. Um, Anything you're looking forward to? Uh, for me, it's it's the wide receivers. I, I noted it yesterday. Trey Nixon seems to have, you know, building off a strong, strong, strong spring, having a good camp. Um, you know, like I said before, your your top three are set in terms of wide receivers, but I think there's some wiggle room and some some snaps to be competed for for that four, five, six range. Um, and I was actually trying to look up how many they kept, how many actual receivers, right? Because last year they had Gunnar Olszewski primarily as a punt returner. And then obviously Matthew Slater, you know, categorizes as a wide receiver, but he's never going to play. How many do they keep at the 53 man roster cut down day? And how many will actually play come week one? Because like I said, those top three are set. But I think after that, there could be some snaps to be won over the next the course of the next week or so. So, yeah, to me, the wide receiver position is more about shaking it out. Right. In terms of the, the, the snaps, I think pending a trade. Aguilar, Bourne, Myers, Parker, Thornton, like those five guys are making the team. And if anybody's getting moved, it's Aglor or Myers. Then it gets interesting. Like Ty Montgomery, I think, is going to make the team. But is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? They haven't listed right. as a wide receiver. That doesn't really mean anything. But no. you keep going further down. Okay, now we get to Trey Nixon, right? Trey Nixon's had a really good camp. Trey Nixon in a bubble has played well enough to make this team. Is there room for him on the roster? And then you get into this weird spot where how well does he have to play to unseat somebody? Because he would, I mean, you're talking about, he basically has to unseat Myers or Aguilar, yep. which would be, he's got to play at a very high level all three games. And if he gets close to that, but doesn't get there, I mean, they're not getting him on the practice squad, right? Somebody will claim him if they waive him. So do they bury him? Do they try to hide him so they can get him back on the practice squad? Would they keep seven receivers? And what would that look like? Where do they trim elsewhere? I think two tight ends is a real possibility. That could be one spot. Maybe they go a little thinner at running back. If I mean, I think at this point, it's safe to say James White won't be on the week one roster. It's really trending that way. But, you know, if then you keep J.J. Taylor off, you're down to four running backs. Maybe that's where they trim. So, yeah, the, the wide receiver situation is fascinating at the top. Who's going to win those snaps? Then further down, Trey Nixon. Another one, good point in the chat. Does he play special teams? Right? There's a lot to figure out there. And, and looking last year, their initial, they kept five, including Gunnar Olszewski. It was yep. Myers, Bourne, Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, and Gunnar Olszewski. Five was very thin, I think, in terms of what they had. Um, it's going to be over that this year. 
it has to be right. And it, you, you look at the depth, right? We, we it, haven't even, for the people who are going to, who are going to moan about it. Yes. Matthew Slater, but he's his own thing. Bill actually said the other day, Slater's count. more of a safety than a receiver. So. Yeah. I mean, with his, I guess, awareness, but yeah, I think the receiver room, right. We talked about it. The running backs, you know, is that how are they going to manage these guys? Um, and I, you know, this necessarily isn't in terms of tomorrow night, uh, Pierre Strong should get a heavy run. It looks like he's so, in the corner. Missing I'm excited time. to see Early Pierre Strong. So Pierre Strong's an interesting one, and I think we're, we're going to learn a lot about him tomorrow night because he really hasn't practiced until this week, and they're not going to put a guy out there, even if he's healthy, if they don't think he's ready and they think it's not a good idea to put him out there, they won't put him out there, right? They won't put him in a spot to fail. So if we don't see Pierre Strong a lot tomorrow night, that tells us he's further away. You know, not that he's not going to make the team, but maybe he's he's an inactive to start the season, things like that. If we see a lot of him tomorrow night, that tells me that even though he missed that time, they don't see him as far behind it. He's right there and he's in the conversation to have a role week one. I think we learn a lot about Pierre Strong tomorrow night. That's a big one. Yeah, and on the defensive side of the ball, Ronnie Perkins, right? I think there's you know, talk about receivers and snaps to be made that they look to be dominant up front. Right. But what does it right. mean for Ronnie Perkins and for any Jennings, Josh Uche? How does that whole kind of edge off ball linebacker shake out Cameron McGrone, who has had kind of a, I guess, I, I don't want to say um, a disappointing start to camp, but I don't think he's lived up to the hype that, you know, a lot of people had hoped for in the off season when they kind of had this new wave of linebackers coming in uh, with him you know, McMillan and, and the, the uptick in roles for Uche and Jennings, how does that all shake out? And how much do we see those guys tomorrow night? Um, I'd be hoping to see like we saw last year. I think we saw the ones for a series or two um, and it was heavy, right? Like it was Cam looked great. He threw John U. Smith looked awesome. And, and that just completely had nothing to do with how the team shaked out week one and for the rest of the year. So obviously there'll be a lot of overreactions, but I guess that's what I'm looking forward to see the most in terms of, um, you know, their defensive side of the ball, primarily the front seven. Mike, you got, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as far as the front seven goes, like they just look so much faster than they did a year ago. Like last year you had, you know, bulky, uh, high tower in the middle and like, they're just, they couldn't really like stretch the stretch covering the run game. And it just looked really crummy at times. Obviously they had a really bad run defense with guys like, Jennings being like fully healthy now and Raekwon McMillan in the middle, they just look like they're covering much more ground. And even against like the short passing game, they're rallying to the ball so much faster. Granted it's against this Pats defense or excuse me, this Pats offense who clearly hasn't really shown much yet, but get, you know, seeing this against another look tomorrow night is going to be interesting to see just how, how fast they really get to the ball. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about that. We're, we're going to see it right away, right? What did the Patriots struggle mm-hmm. with last year? It was kind of contained out of the backfield. Well, you know, I don't know how much we'll see Saquon Barkley, but the Giants have said their guys are going to play. That's a good test. Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley is a good test for how fast yeah. are your linebackers, how athletic are your linebackers. Even, you know, going beyond that, and, and some people were kind of into it in the chat there, was another thing the Patriots defense struggled with last year. Fast, shifty slot receivers, as mm-hmm. I McKenzie, right? Giants have two and Kadarius, Tony and Wandale Robinson. I don't know how much they're going to play, but I would think Wandale Robinson will play a significant amount. Him versus they listed, Marcus Jones. 
They listed him as a starter. They already listed him as a starter, according to their first death chart. Which, granted, they'll yeah. they'll still play him because he's a rookie, but that was interesting to see too. Yeah, no, I um, it that matchup, Marcus Jones versus Wanda Robbins is going to be really interesting. But you're just going to see between him, Miles Bryant, kind of how they deal with some of these faster slot receivers. So that's going to be a, a really interesting one to watch. And the backup quarterbacks too, right? Like, we'll obviously see a lot of Zappy and Hoyer, but I think. You know, obviously, Max, your guy, is your guy going forward. How do they handle that week one, right? With you saw when when Brady's last year here, uh, who'd you have? You had Stidham and, and Hoyer. Hoyer was, you know, primarily uh, he was cut at cut down day, and obviously, uh, you know, went to Indy and then brought back the next year. But it'll be interesting to see how they this pans out. Is is Hoyer going to be the one in street clothes, right? Because I think if anything were to happen, push comes to shove, you'd probably want Zappy in there. Uh, but it seems like that you know Hoyer's obviously the guy who's been here forever. He's a glorified quarterback coach for for Mac and and, and the veteran in that room. Uh, I'm interested to see Zappy. I liked watching him play in college. If you remember Western Kentucky, just oh lit God. it up all over the place. That guy covered everything. It was you know overs and he he just threw it all over the yard. So I, I everything you read about him and you see the kid can spin it right. But can he read an NFL defense? I think it'll be interesting to see how he shakes out because. You see for years, Alex, you talked about it back at the draft. Every three, four years, they take a kid in the fourth round. They just reset the clock on their on their, you know, their career backups when they think they have a guy uh, with Brady. Right. They took Mallet and Garoppolo and and and, uh, you know, Stidham and, and Rohan. Right. Like the, the names just go back. Right. I'm interested to see him. I think this kid's a pure thrower and somebody that can, you know, dime it up a little bit. Yeah, he hasn't had a good start to camp. Right. It's. He, he, he had a little bit of a rough start, like early on. He's gotten much better. I, he's kind of starting to put more touch on the ball now. When he first got here, everything was just a line drive, and it it was getting it was getting to him right. And he's now starting to be a little more a little more gentle with the throws when it calls for it. Yeah, he's gonna be a fun guy to watch. He was really fun in college. I, I think he'll he'll be impressive. I think people will kind of start to understand why the Patriots took him when they did. I'm curious to see too how he adapts to learning a new offense again because like I, I asked him yesterday he learned a new he learned a new offense when he got to Houston Baptist then he transferred to Western Kentucky learned a second offense threw for six grand and 62 touchdowns like last year which was un, unheard of literally NCAA records learning a third system in as many years should be interesting granted he's done it before so I just want I like you guys I want to see him sling it through Right. Well, he also yeah. is used to, you know, he's coming from the spread. He's got to get used to working right under center, which is something he talked about the other day. Right. And two, like this, back to the covering the speedy guys, right? Tony and Wandale Robinson. Not that they're on par of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, what they're going to face twice a year and probably be competing for, um, you know, a playoff spot with, with, you know, obviously the right. Bills kind of being the Kings in the East. I think it's a good test, right? How do they match up, right? Jonathan Jones is primarily your slot guy who's done it for years. He's, He's locked down some of the best guys, but now they got, like we talked about, they improved. You know, they obviously lost that true shutdown cornerback one man cover guy on the outside. But I think where they really improved in their secondary, primarily at the corner spot is they loaded up with athletes, right? You got John Jones back, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones seems to be kind of a sticky ball hawk guy. Somebody that's, you know, I think a little undersized, but I think he can, uh, he's going to be able to run with a lot of guys in the field. So interesting to see, how they match up with Tony. And then obviously how how much we see him, who knows Kenny Galladay, kind of a bigger guy on the outside who would be probably Malcolm Butler or Jalen Mills on on a guy like that. Somebody that's a little bit longer and more physical. 
Yeah, and that's kind of the guy they don't have the matchup for. And it's interesting because they've gone against Devontae Parker in camp, and, and Devontae Parker looks really good. They don't have that big outside corner outside of Juwan Williams, who's kind of, you know, Juwan Williams. So I think how they defend Galladay, like you said, if he plays, will be an interesting one. And, you know, they've been moving Jonathan Jones out to the slot. Is he a guy that, you know, do they give mm-hmm. him a shot at that? And that will tell us a lot. I mean, how much of those guys that are really left, though, right? Those big, long, like Metcalf, I, you know, how much do you see him Pickens? I know Pittsburgh's a bigger team. But it seems like the game in general is turning. No, there's you know, there's still big receivers. I would say right. I mean like they're like, more they're more well rounded, right? They're more they can run they they're threats at all three levels of the sure, field, right? Where size is size. You still have to be even if they're even if they don't play like traditional bigger receivers, you still have to be able to defend it just to go through right. the schedule. Chase Claypool week two against the Steelers is Pickens. a big receiver at Pickens as well. Alan Lazard week four against the Packers. Um you know, you you get into the Browns week six. Amari Cooper's not a small guy. Luckily Jamar's for them, Jamar's not Nikhil, either. He's over six right. feet, I believe. Yeah. Luckily for them, Nikhil Harry's, Harry's hurt week seven. You don't have to deal with his size. But I, I mean, was worried. Yeah, they got DeAndre Hopkins later in the schedule. Uh, Devonte Adams, like they've got big receivers, they're going to have to deal with. Right, right. No, I, I just you know obviously get the safety help too, and it curious to see how it all shakes out defensively i think for the first time too we talked about it that corner room that's the biggest thing for me with this team i think it's a it's a it's an issue that's not talked about enough because of the struggles offensively i'm curious to see how that shakes out because it could be for the first time in 10 12 years man the the secondary is not the, the the strong point of their team uh and you said they're going through a gauntlet of receivers they got jamar chase this year they got you know, like you said, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill twice, Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, right? That there's no there's no slouches on their schedule, right? In terms of that position. Uh, and this is the first year in a long time where they don't have a true right. I mean, think of the good like Stephon Gilmore and JC Jackson are on the same team for, for a long time. Like you take that for granted. I think that's a big test for them early on in the year, right? Take away kind of the conversations we have from camp from the offense. There's some I think a little bit of you know, uncertainty there at that corner room. And it hasn't been talked about enough. I think probably in a good way because they've looked good. Right. I think uh, the offense has struggled more than they've, you know, faced on this defense, but uh, it's, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Prior, prior to the offense completely unraveling over the last week, corner was my main concern. I wrote about it earlier in the yeah. earlier in camp. Now they're moving, like Alex said, they're moving John Jones to the boundary. They've, uh, or they moved him out there yesterday. Anyway, they have Marcus and Jack Jones kind of working in already. So they're going to have to, they're going to get reps early and they're going to have to like show their stuff right away. Um, their corner room, it's just, it's not like it used to be. Defensive it's, back as a whole, go ahead. Someone's going to step up though. Like yeah. it's, there's going to be a known, is it going to be Jamal Williams? Corner? Is it Sean I, Wade? I, like who is it? You know, is it going to be Terrence Mitchell on his eighth team in seven years? If they get a boost at corner, I think it's coming from off the roster. I just like Terrence Mitchell yeah. can be fine, I think, is that number two. But if they're really going to get an improvement, like Malcolm Butler, I think, can be good in spurts, but I don't know how consistent he can be. Jack Jones, the same thing as a rookie. That's a spot I think they look to add, you know, as camp wraps up around roster roster cuts. Like, I'm not – corners still is on honestly my biggest question mark because I think as rough as the offensive line has looked – the pieces are all in place to get it figured out. I don't know that that's true about corner. I don't know that the pieces are there for them to be at the level they need to be at. The best thing that can happen in the secondary right now is just the pass rush turns it up and keeps things easy on them. 
And tomorrow's what? Uh, Malcolm Butler's first game action in like a year and a half because he was out yeah, all. Right. Wasn't he out all year last year? So I mean, he was, yeah, he's retired. Yeah, it's completely different than just practice reps. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm I'm certainly football's back, right? Like I think John tweeted I love it. That's it. so true. Yeah, you can't wait for that first preseason game, and then once it comes, you can't wait for it to be over. But I think right, it's you get like tease. five minutes in, and you're like, all right, yeah. this isn't this, this is, is awful. not when I when I said football's back. This is not what I was talking about. Right. Um, once once Jared, I was happy to see. Uh, I don't even. I was happy <laughs> to see him the other night. That was that was good to see no, him no. throwing around. Um, no, all, all kidding aside, but um, no, like I said, I, I think there's. It's not as I think the last two years we were spoiled at camp because the year before you had COVID and it was just no sports. Right. And then you had the, you know, Cam Newton coming in. And last year you had a quarterback, really two years of quote unquote quarterback competitions. Right. So there was so much focus at that position. Whereas this year you have the guy. It's it's a lot of moving pieces at some spots where we haven't seen in past years. Right. The line, the corner room. Um, So it's. I don't want to call it a boring camp, but there's just not that juicy headline that we're used to the last two years. But I think that that's, that makes it interesting in its own sense um, for these preseason games, see how things shake out, who gets more time, you know, who's on the bubble and things like that. I think the interesting thing about this camp or, or maybe the not interesting thing about this camp, I should say, it's been very stagnant. The fun part of camp is the flow. You know, the offense has a good practice or two, then the defense comes back, then, then the offense gets one, right? And, there's usually that one day where it just, you know, they both somehow look really good, even though they're facing each other. And it's been outside of Tuesday when the offense stepped up. It's really just been the same thing day after day after day. It's been Groundhog Day, as, as my colleague at 985, Matt Dolph has said. Right. There hasn't been a ton of variation. Like how many new stories have there really been new? N.E.W., not news, new. How many new stories have there really been throughout camp? Not a ton. I think it's going to get interesting when we get later in a camp. I started working on my roster projection today and I'll, I'll drop that Friday on 985thesportsub.com. There's a lot of, in, there's going to be a lot of interesting roster crunches. I talked earlier about trade Nixon and even if he plays well, is there a spot for him? How do they view Ty Montgomery? There's a battle at tackle. I think there's a really tough decisions to make up front. You know, it's Ronnie Perkins, uh, Cameron McGrone. It's kind of tough to figure out their situations. So, this will get interesting later once we get to the, the roster cuts and we can really narrow in on some of those middle to bottom of the roster guys. But yeah, it's been sort of, I, I, I don't think, look, last year you had a quarterback battle. That's the most exciting thing that can happen at camp. So no matter what happened this year, it was going to be a step back, but it's just been this, the same thing day after day after day. It's been a little monotonous because they, again, you don't have that give and take that you usually get this time of year. Yeah, and I mean, things start to heat up too with joint practices, right? I mean, that that's right. It's good to see. I, like you said, Bill calls them more important than the games, right? Because that's the first time the ones can really go at it. Um, you know, I guess it's a it's a combination of of two days, right? You're going up against, um, you know, another defense, another offense, give you some looks. Uh, it gets competitive at times, so it's going to start to pick up. But like I said, I just think this year uh, we were spoiled the last really two years. Uh, but yeah. As I said, I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see where there's a lot of turnover from last year, and I think in past years with a lot of guys that played a lot of meaningful snaps. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because, like I said, corner, we, we have no idea their depth chart there. Who's going to line up where on week one? Uh, you know, 
aside from the, you know, Judon and, and guys like that off the edge and they're off ball guys, like how is that going to shake out? So that's interesting in its own sense, but that's like the little things you don't really see in camp because it's, it doesn't, I guess, you know, play to their strengths, right? It's more in the games. Right. It's more in the joint practices. So it should pick up, but um, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night. I know us three will be, we'll all be down there. So check out for yep. coverage. Uh, Alex, I believe we're going to do a, a recap show Friday at some point to kind of recap the game. Look forward to next week. Um, but other than that, uh, thanks for tuning in and we will, well, wait, uh, hang, we on, will... hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Go ahead. Go ahead up, oh, you need do your... have to do, where you, is it? You need hang your on. minute. You need your minute. We do have to do <laughs> a quick boss of sports minute. Thank you. I got nothing. Chris sale mm-hmm. fell off his bike and broke his wrist. Oh, he was rehabbing. I, the Red Sox need to stop counting on Chris sale. They came into this year with five starting pitchers with major league experience, including sale. They were set up to fail in that regard from the broken rib to the belly button infection or whatever that was. There was the mystery injury earlier this year. Now this, like the guy just can't stay healthy. He's six, four, 180 pounds. It is. He's 33 years old. It's just, I I think the, and, and some fans have this expectation. I get why the fans have it, but it's almost like the Red Sox feel the same way that, Chris Sales magically, when he does get healthy, whenever that is, he's just going to be 2018 Chris Sale again. Like, that seems to be the belief. It reminds me of Dustin Pedroia towards the end, where, and I love Dustin Pedroia. He's a great player in his prime, but there was those last couple of years of the contract, which is he was old. He had some chronic knee issues, wrist issues. It's unfortunate. But there was still, like, this belief that he was going to come back and hit 300, even though he hadn't done it for four years. So... <laughs> I don't blame Chris. People say, well, why is Chris Sale riding his bike? Why are you putting him on his bike when it's important? Look at his injury history. If it wasn't his bike, it was going to be something else. Why didn't he take an Uber to get the food? Because he probably would have strained his shoulder opening the door. Well, then why didn't he get DoorDash? Because well, when they give him the bag, if the bag's too heavy, he probably would have broken his <laughs> wrist trying to hold it up, right? It's just, I'm done with this guy. I'm done with him. And the Red Sox need to be done with him. I'm not saying cut him because they can't afford it. If you get something from him, great. Don't plan on it. Operate as if you won't have Chris Sale. And then if you get him, for however many games you get him, great. That's just extra. Stop making this guy part of the plans. That was like uh, the uh, biggest FU from Dombrowski on the way out, right? Because I think, Barth, you would probably know better than me, but that was kind of the the falling out between Dombrowski and ownership, right? They didn't want to give him that big deal, and Dombrowski gave it to him, and that kind of, right? There was obviously things that went on behind the scenes that were well, trending I, that way. If, if that was, ownership didn't want him to give, I, I don't know, that might be a little far, because if ownership didn't want him to give the deal, they would have fired him before he gave the deal. No, I think it was ownership overcorrecting. They saw what happened when they let John Lester go in 2011, and they overcorrected, and they were wrong both times. John Lester was a workhorse. And John Lester, won. you can run it to the ground. This all goes back. It all goes back to John Lester. You can, from the Mookie Betts stuff, Chris Sale, David Price, the Andrew Benintendi trade, all of it. All of the Red Sox modern issues trace back to the fact that they did not pay John Lester because they've been chasing that decision ever since between bad contracts, a manager, a general manager carousel, all of it. And I know they got a title in there, but yeah, they basically burned the entire thing to the ground to get a title for one year. It all goes back to that. So it's, you know, is it the worst con- I don't think it's the worst. People forget about Carl Crawford. Like that was really bad. Was I know sale really makes bad. way yeah. more in terms of per year, but well, I, I would say first off, Sandoval was a worse deal than Crawford. Crawford wasn't good, but Sandoval was Crawford just wasn't a good player. Sandoval was like a punchline, right? Yeah. When the stuff was popping off. Yeah. 
Here's the question about sale. Was it really a bike accident? You guys caught me off guard with the podcast here. I'm still at my office at BU. And if you look down Calm Ave, I don't see any skid marks. I don't know. There was no, there was. <laughs> Who really cares at this point, right? Because he, he, was, <laughs> you know he, was, he wasn't going to pitch again this year. It might have been I'm a done with them. Who knows? Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's beating a dead horse with him. I, I, the thing that sucks is the human aspect of it. Cause I think that's a guy like, it's not like Sandoval where he just flat out just didn't give a crap. Like Chris sale when he, you could, that, that guy wants the ball, right? Like he, he wants to pitch. Ball. He wants to contribute. Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate, right? Like I, I, there's some give and take there. It's not like a guy who just, I don't really care. I don't want to play anymore. That's not the case with him. That's what makes it so frustrating. Right. And you see the glimpses, um, 2018, I guess was his last really big year, but, um, big lefty, you know, the sweeping curve, the slider, like throwing 99 to a hundred, like he was electric. He had electric stuff for a long time. It's unfortunate it played out this way. Like you said, Barth, whatever they can get out of him. Great. But don't rely on him. Go into the year next year, assuming you're getting zero innings and, and see what, see what happens. I think that's the best plan for them is especially that pitching staff, which needs a ton of, a ton of work. <laughs> yep. Anybody got anything on Durant or no? I don't. I haven't seen anything since. Who knows what happened? I saw something today that they were trying to get Tatum and Brown out of the Celtics. I mean, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, they did. The Nets are delusional. Like, Nets are completely delusional. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I, we had to get Boston Sports Minute and after. Yeah, <laughs> we we did we did. Um, but other anyways, we will see you guys on Friday to recap Thursday's game. Once again, Ryan Spagnoli, Alex Barth of ninety eight five The Sports Hub. And CLNS's own Mike Cadlick. Uh, we will catch you guys later this week. Tune in for uh, you know coverage and, and, and content coming from tomorrow night's game, and we'll we'll be on here Friday at some point to to recap it.